Hello, I'm Matt. And I'm Keith, and in this one we both have a bit of a rant about tradesmen, and we talk about new tools, tool storage, and what projects we're working on. We hope you enjoy the podcast. So, since we spoke last, what have you been up to? Um, I've been block laying yesterday, um, and that was a much harder job than I expected it to be, I have to say. Easy to get the blocks sitting level, but difficult to get them sitting plumb when you haven't got anything to reference from, because obviously my walls are rendered, so I couldn't really take a reference from the walls in order to get the new wall plumb, if that makes sense. Probably explained that really badly. Where's this wall going? Um, it's basically blocking up a window opening on my workshop. Um, it's a job I've needed to do for ages and I was planning to get a builder to do, but I thought I'd save myself a few hundred quid and get a video out of it as well. Yeah, you were saying about it last time, actually, I remember now, because it's it's a great kind of first block lane project because you're going to cover it all, aren't you? So it, yeah. every block could be absolutely awful with mortar lines all over the place, but it doesn't matter because no one will ever see it. Exactly right, and that's pretty much how shoddy a job I've probably done at it. <laughs> the annoying thing is that I can't see what it looks like from the other side because obviously I insulated all of the walls and framed mm. out the walls on the inside. I'd love to just be able to have a peep behind and see what the mortar lines look like from the other side because obviously when you're laying the blocks you can only see the front. Yeah. I don't know what the back is like, I dread to think, but um, one day I'll see it if I ever remove the walls. I've got a, a brick laying job as well. My front wall and the first two layers, the capping bricks have gone and the first two layers of bricks are kind of, it's it's the bricks that have got frost damage as in oh. it's the faces that crumble. Yeah. Um, so I think what's happened is maybe someone's knocked a capping oh. uh, one off and then the top layers got quite wet. But I'm going to have a go because as I say a tradesperson these days is 250 quid a, a day. Yeah. And it's got to be a day's work plus materials, as I could probably do it all myself for under 50 quid. Yeah. And you know what? If it all goes wrong, then I've wasted 50 quid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not attached to the house. It's just a mortar line to the house. So in theory, I could just take a, a hammer to it and put a picket fence up. Yeah. Which actually might be nicer now I've just said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as this is a woodworking channel, I suppose yeah. we should talk more about wood-related stuff. I did I did have a good wood haul last week as well. Um, my auntie, who I've got to build her a couple of large garden gates, she basically said, I've got loads of timber, do you want to have a rummage through and, and take whatever you're interested in? She had loads of old 4x2s, which are covered in bird poo, which I need to pressure wash. And some massive pine beams, which I've taken. And there's this, this kind of large slab of hardwood as well. I'm not sure what it is. All sorts of stuff. I just need to find somewhere to store it all now. And I think what I'm going to do with all of that pine is make a new workbench top. Because I've been wanting to get rid of my MFT top for a long while now. I've kind of discovered that I'm not an MFT guy. Um... So what I'm going to do is make a solid wood top for it, a nice thick and chunky one, similar to what you did recently, really, just to have a firmer support for chiseling and things like that. I'm going to do some dogs, pop-up dogs, so basically I can get the same kind of work-holding functions using my vice and some bench dogs rather than using anything MFT-related and having the frustration of dropping things down those holes. Yeah. Um, did you make square dogs years ago? I did, and they worked really well. And uh, I contemplated doing that again this time. I want a a saw tooth stop, um, which is one of these dogs that kind of has saw teeth on it. And so you, when you're planing, you it grabs the board at one end, and then you only need that. I don't know what one of those is. I'm just googling it now. Saw tooth stop. I've got one on my Amazon wish list. This is this is great podcasting. This. <laughs> There'll be some people shouting at the radio, going, "I know exactly what Matt means." <laughs> Probably not many. Uh, a toothed bench dog. So talk me through what that does then. Well, if you've got a board you want to plane, your system has a, a bench dog, and then you're going to 
tighten it between the bench dog and the a dog in a vice, I imagine. Yeah. That you'd put on, uh, and I guess that goes across the bench because that's where the vice is. This you'd be able to have the board uh, going the other way on the bench and you just push the end of the board into that and then plane towards it and that just holds it ah, in theory. I see. And as people make them out of either just filing a bit of metal, especially if you've got a square dog, you could just snip off a bit of saw blade and screw it to the top of it. Yeah. Or do something like that. I was just going to have a follow-up question about your bench top. So you're going to take the MDF top off and put a just a new top and keep the lower part of the bench, are you? Yes. Yeah, the lower part of the bench is built like a tank. Uh, it's made from probably, I don't know, five by twos, and it's just rock solid, so I really like it. When I first mentioned changing out my MFT top, which is, must be well over a year ago now, possibly closer to two years ago, I had an email from somebody saying, I'd really like to to use that if if you you know if you're getting rid of it and I said yeah absolutely I'll I'll be in touch when I take it off that that conversation is so old now that um that person probably no longer needs one but I'm going to get in contact with them just in case I'm going to give mine away because I bought that one at the beginning of the year and used it on two projects and then I got this Axminster system so I uh, yeah. don't need the smaller one anymore you don't need two I did all it before I even knew I was going to get the garage or any of that stuff. So things have, all my plans for the year have kind of changed because of other things have come along. So with my benches, I think I aim for 90 centimetres. So this will change the height of your bench. Because, well, just from my experience, what I've found is I don't want anything higher than the table saw. Because yep. if I'm trying to feed something huge for it, I don't want anything around it to be higher than it. So will this all work out? You've got a much bigger space, so it's less of a problem. Well, I've thought about that as well. Um, I've got a separate work table that I use that doubles up as an outfeed table for the table saw, which is the correct height already. However, I did originally make that workbench that I'm talking about, the larger workbench, the same height as that other table so that I could occasionally position things across the two. And that was really useful. But fortunately, I changed the casters on the bottom of this workbench uh, a couple of years ago. And when I did that, I added razor blocks because the new ah. casters were smaller. So this time I can take those razor blocks off, install the casters again, and then install the thicker top. And hopefully it will still be, it probably isn't going to be perfectly the right height, but I think it'll be more or less. That's great then. That's really good. Yeah, I, I I'm about the same nine nine hundred. I think I think it might be nine twenty or nine thirty mil in height for my benches. So how's things going with the garden room? Well, I think last time we spoke, I'd had the walls up and I was back here. I what I did is I went to my mum, spent two weeks there. I did the base, I got the walls up, got it wrapped, got the roof on. So basically, it was all weather tight. I came home for two uh, for ten days, I think, or maybe two weeks built the door and the window frames and then I went back to hers again for 10 days fitted the doors fitted the windows and got it clad so from the outside it is completely done there's no rush now it's a usable room it's I mean there's no nothing on the walls inside but you could easily put a table and chairs in they want it's kind of like an artist studio so you can set up an easel in there fine it's got windows and doors and for the summer and then hopefully um I'll go back maybe end of summer. I mean, if I get this ceiling insulated and clad, because the rafters are open at the moment. Mm. So as time I've got the ceiling done, uh, the soffit boards on and all that, then it's completely sealed. Uh, and that that's fine. I don't mind leaving the video series there. Mm. As in, because that's it's basically built. What you want to do with the inside is, it's not that complicated, is it? Putting insulation in, putting some boards on the wall. Might you do a follow-up video to it? when you go back to do that oh i think definitely definitely it's just there'll be a part of this for the six parts and it'd be one a week for six weeks as the other bit will be a big gap but um that i think that'd be all right unfortunately the electrician came out and wired it up but there was nothing to we weren't at that stage and right. i did try and tell them but the trouble, this is a bit of a rant with the trades at the moment. They're so in demand that they can just dictate the terms of things. Mm. 
and he wanted to come that day, I said, no way, he came that day. So he's, he's put all the, he's put metal back boxes on, screwed onto the OSB, so the screws actually go through the OSB and oh. through the membrane. I don't know, some people might know this and comment if it's something in building regs about the size of a hole you need for a cable. Because I've got uh, 3x2s, so 63mm, and he's put like 22mm holes through. So you're losing a third of the strength mm. uh, just to put some 2.5mm cable through. Or is it 2.5mm? Is that right? It's, it's, anyway, it's a, the cable used for electrical circuits. He's done a bit of a mess of that with a blunt bit. Uh, so... Unfortunately, I don't think you know what back boxes you want until you know what you want on the walls. Yeah. I would put metal back boxes in a brick wall. If yeah. I was plasterboarding, you get those ones, plastic ones that clamp onto the plasterboard. Or mm. So basically, I've got to take out what he's done and what they've paid a lot of money for him to do. Oh, no. And um, no consumer unit either. He's just taken a spur off the ring circuit in the house and just then put some sockets on the end. Like, wow, I'm not an electrician, but I wouldn't mm. have done that. Mm. I mean, they're not using machinery out there like I would be. But yeah. they might put a little electric heater in and stuff. I just, um, yeah, I would have wanted it on a different circuit and have its own consumer unit to be able to turn the power off to there. It's interesting you say that, actually, because when I had my larger power supply put into the workshop to handle some of the bigger machines they ran a 10 mil cable and i originally paid the electrician to do an swa cable under the ground Mm. to the house and they did put a separate consumer unit into the workshop which is good but they ended up just running a piece of standard 10 mil electrical cable not swa at sort of above head height running from the house to the workshop Mm. and i thought is that the best practice um and when i spoke to my sparky electrician friend he basically said yeah you can do that but it, you know it's within regulations but it's not going to last forever and it's not really a good job and it's not what i would have done mm. and i just you know electricians tend to have a bit of a bad reputation sometimes with other tradesmen i don't know if you've noticed that but I, you can I start haven't. to see why mm. <laughs> i i think there's a real um banter between the trades isn't there yeah uh, who, and who's the most skilled it's usually that electricians don't like getting their hands dirty and also that they leave their bits of uh wiring everywhere yeah oh he actually tied it up but my last house they were they were terrible the electricians i had but i think i'm gonna caveat this because me and you are both friends with a lot of tradies mm. in fact we're in whatsapp groups with them and i would happily have them in my house any day of the week and I'm sure there's some excellent ones out there but pretty much every experience I've had with tradespeople come to my house has been negative yes I have to say the same and I'm not a moan I don't think I've ever complained in a restaurant I'm not that kind of person Mm -hmm. but so they had uh, my mum's house in the master bedroom they had um, squeaky floorboards and I thought oh they're just moaning it's a 300 year old house floorboards squeak but they said they were moving a lot so they got a uh, a carpenter in or a builder in I don't know anyway it's from the local building firm to come and put them right and he said oh they're rotten and I've had to replace them and then they said to me they're still moving and I'm like what the ones you've had replaced yeah the same bits took the carpet up he's put some patches of uh, plywood down underneath it instead of actually putting any noggins in anything to support it underneath all he's done is put some two by one kind of battens between the floorboards so the new boards are just hanging off the boards to the side one of which had one screw in and so they're just all just flapping around so he's come and done a day's work 400 quid and every single thing he did i had to rip out and redo oh man and it's just i was i couldn't believe the work he'd done he clearly just had some scraps in the van and i guess sometimes you have those kind of jobs like this just needs to be bodged to get through the day jobs. Mm. But this wasn't that. They want fitted wardrobes built in this room and want the floor flat. And well, they were, I, as I, I thought they were moaning. They were like, we feel we're going to go through the floor. And I looked and like, 
yeah, you could genuinely go through the floor. Oh my god. And it's just, I kind of started filming it all to do a little bit for Instagram because it's just, it's almost fascinating to see what they think is acceptable. Yeah. And of course the old, let's all throw all the rubbish between the the floor and the ceiling, which is always great. But then you get stuck into these jobs and I stop filming because I just need to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's uh, I don't know. I mean, like like you say, there are there are good examples out there, and I've had a few over the years. I mean, the the plumber that we had fitting our bathroom um, last year or the year before, whenever that was, was fantastic. He was reliable. He did exactly what was asked of him. He did a far better job than I expected him to on everything he touched. He was just amazing. And and those tradesmen do exist, but they're so hard to come by. Um, I've definitely had more bad experiences hiring tradesmen than good unfortunately and I, I don't know if you're familiar with the channel um building ace of view or acing building ace of building view never heard of it ah so i heard about it from i think andy a gosforth handyman mentioned it in one of his videos i checked it out and then soon just added all of his videos to my watch list because i just like his style and yeah, one of the things that I've kind of noticed from his videos is that he's hiring contractors, project managers, tradesmen to do sizable jobs and he hires them, he gets disappointed by them and then he ends up doing the work himself time and time and time again. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's a, I wouldn't say he was an absolute perfectionist, but he likes things done to a high standard. You can tell the quality of work that he does is great, but there are certain things that he probably didn't feel comfortable turning his hand to or whatever, so he hired in a professional, got let down, and ended up learning to do it himself. And I, and I, the more experience I get with stuff like this, the more I just think, you're going to do a better job at it yourself. Chances are, you know, you're going to learn to do things the right way. You're going to take your time over it. You're going to you're going to get it as as good as you can do it. You might not have the skill that the tradesman has or the experience that the tradesman has, but you know the only way you're going to get those skills and that experience is to to give it a go yourself. And I just think DIY is the way forward, ninety um, percent of the time. Yeah, I, I I've got a flat roof. I think I've mentioned it before on here. It's um got no insulation in it whatsoever it's freezing cold over my kitchen and bathroom so i want to put a warm roof on and i was going to get someone in to do it but after this experience of these two i don't want to spend thousands of pounds and then be unhappy with it Mm. and the trouble is with those kind of roofs with insulation it only works if you get the tolerances right and there's no gaps and i just don't trust people and also with the labour, I could probably, if I do it myself, save a thousand pounds. It's worrying. I mean, I'm going to tell you the money. This electrician, so I'd run the armoured cable. So he just had to hook it up at both ends, and he's put five sockets up. Uh, so the back boxes. I think if I bought the back boxes, there'd be a pound each. Mm. But if this is a firm with like a, a fleet of vans and things, so I imagine they're probably paying fifty p a back box. Some two point five mil cable, something to hook the cable up at either end. One day's work. What do you reckon? One guy. So you dug the trench for the cable, didn't you? And bought the cable and laid it. And you you bought and laid the cable. So that that's... Because SWA is expensive, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That was like 80, 100 quid. Right. But say it was 50 quid in materials, which I don't think it would have been. I think it would have been 20 quid in materials, if that. Say, but so let's say 50 quid in materials, then a day's, day's labour. So I would hope it would be... 250 to 300 but i'm expecting it's quite a bit more than that 750 oh my god 750 and i've got to take it all out that's awful ah yeah break it broke broke my heart to see it and the trouble is like like you say you don't want to spend all of that money on your roof only to find that you're disappointed by it i've got a particular job here at the house that was done by a tradesman that every time i see i feel sick to the stomach because it's I spent a lot of money on it it's not as I wanted it to be and I'm trying to find out ways figure out ways that I can rectify the situation I don't want to mention what it is in case that person's listening I doubt I doubt they are but um yeah it's it's the worst feeling looking at something that you've spent an awful lot of money on and it's just not good enough yeah 
And as I said, I'm sure there's, well, I know there's great ones out there, but I think the problem's just going to get worse because they're in such demand that they can pick and choose the jobs and they dictate the terms. And and I think also the problem, this electrician, he wasn't the boss, he was just an employee of the firm. But I can't think what other kind of, I've never had a job where I turn up and I'm assigned a job and the, as soon as I get that job done, I can go home for the day. Mm. He, he he drilled holes in the wall to connect it to the um, to the house and asked my stepfather, oh, can you fill in all the plaster? And it's like, no, you fill in the plaster. He's like, oh, well, I've only got this half bag of old plaster and kind of just left it all big holes in the wall. That's awful. Yeah, it's awful. But he was just, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. He's he's had enough and thinks that's, he's going home. It's like people say, you know, it is easy to criticise other people's work, but when the work is that bad... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a real shame. And I don't know... I've watched some um, skill builder things and I'm not sure these checker trade sites work particularly well because you've got to pay to be on them and mm. stuff like that. It's difficult because, it, well, we watch things like skill builder and Robin Clever and go, these guys are great. Yeah. So there clearly is great people, but I guess word of mouth is the best thing, isn't it? If you can mm. find someone that's, I mean, my neighbour had his bathroom done. Uh, and this is something I remember from the Measuring Up podcast. Peter and Andy both said, if you want to stand out, do the job and then clean it up after you and people will be impressed. Mm. But these guys were smoking outside for two weeks, threw every cigarette butt on the floor, most of them outside my house, and then they kind of half-heartedly swept up at the end of the two weeks but left loads of cigarette butts everywhere. And, like, and I was going to ask him to do, I want to... Extractor fan put in the kit in the bathroom, which I'm sure I've mentioned in every episode. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I was going to ask them to do it. I was like, no, I'm not. Mm. I'm not going to give these people money. Anyway, that's my massive rant for the day. <laughs> well, it's a justified rant by the sounds of things. I mean, in a way, it's good for us because then people watch videos. I don't do much DIY on the channel. You do a bit. Mm. I'm doing my bathroom at the moment, and I could film it, but the trouble is. Woodworking is a hobby for me. It makes no logical sense. I made a boot jack early in the year. I made it out of ash. It cost me 20 quid in ash. It took a day's work using hundreds of pounds worth of tools. I could have gone on Amazon and bought one for eight pounds and got it delivered. <laughs> There's no logical reason to make it. Yeah. But I enjoy it. But that's fine. It doesn't have to be a reason for doing it. You can just do things for enjoyment. I don't enjoy DIY. I don't enjoy decorating my bathroom, mm. stripping all the old paint off, but it's saving me hundreds of pounds and I couldn't afford to get someone to do it. Yeah. So I have no desire to film that because I, I'm not enjoying doing it. So I think that would come across. For me, I don't particularly enjoy the process either. I mean, like the block laying, for example, yesterday, I didn't enjoy it one bit, um, particularly because it, I found it really difficult. But... What I did enjoy was making a video about it because I can show all of the things I struggled with, all of the things that went wrong. And I just found it more exciting because I think I said in the last episode, I can kind of make a woodworking video in my sleep now at this point. Whereas this was also new that it was a video that I could really get my teeth into and enjoy making. And uh, I, I've been editing it this morning and I've just been really enjoying it and I'm excited about putting it out. I'm sure I'll get a lot of um, angry bricklayers <laughs> in the comments section. But but the thing is, that's a good way for me to learn as well, because when you get critique, you, you learn from it. And um, I think I'm going to title the video Woodworker Attempts Block Laying or something along those lines, yeah. just, to, just to make it quite clear that this isn't a tutorial, this is uh, me finding my feet kind of thing. Yeah. How did the window and door making go then? Yeah, fine, actually. Um, the problem I had is normally I would have the windows first and frame the walls around <laughs> windows rather than I had the glass and I was kind of doing the calculations. Well, I reckon the frame's going to be that thick and two of them went in perfectly. Two of them, which I don't show on film because I don't know if you find this, sometimes when you've got a problem and you're just frustrated and you just want to get it done, I just need to 
concentrate on that. Absolutely, yeah. So this is a bit of uh, inside information. Two of the windows, I did have to unscrew a couple of the uh, bits of uh, 3x2 and move them and then cut out the OSB a bit more, and mm. which wasn't a, wasn't a problem whatsoever. It's just annoying. Yeah, you want to get your head down and do it. Yeah. The thing is, whenever whenever that happens to me and I'm frustrated and I just get the job done without filming, I think afterwards, oh, I wish I filmed that. Yeah, it'd be good to show you mistakes, I know. but It's yeah. having the composure to do it at the time, though, isn't it? Because you just want to get it done and, yeah. You've got to be in the right frame of mind for filming because uh, it was a bit against time with this because I had to be back for a certain day. Um so to get all the windows doors in and all the cladding on was a bit of a rush. Mm. And uh, I'd ordered some bits from Wix and they'd managed to send out the completely the wrong stuff, which really? is uh, one branch that I get it from. The order is wrong every single time, which just blows my mind how anyone can be that useless. Come on, I'm really having a rant today. <laughs> Everyone's annoyed me today. I'm sure they put it right, though. But do they put it right quickly? <laughs> I just got the order cancelled and reordered it from a different branch, and it came. Uh, okay, fine. Do they come and collect the wrong stuff? Or do no, they I just I you? just uh, sent it back with the driver. Yeah, just I'd, I'd ordered treated. They'd sent untreated at a different size. It's just I, I don't know. You'd think they'd have a system where it's all on some kind of computer and they just have to scan the barcodes and Everything it tells them... Everything has a they... product code, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, so... how they get it wrong. Yeah, madness. But it's employing people that have no idea what they're doing. I imagine if I was given a packing list from pretty much anything in Wix, I would know what that product was. Yeah. And I imagine you would too, and most people listening, we'd, we'd know what all the wood was just by reading it. As they have... No idea. It's just words to them. So yeah. they pick something up that looks roughly right. But uh, I guess that's why it was great when you went to with Peter to the woodyard. It's full of people that know what they're talking about. Yeah. So have you bought any trousers? I haven't yet, but those Milwaukee knee pads arrived mm. um, several days after the patio project <laughs> was completed. Oh, no. They have kind of like, I'm not going to be able to explain this very well, They've got a kind of cup that sits above the knee. The problem I've always had with knee pads is that they just slip down all of the time. But these ones really hook over the top of your kneecap and they stay put. They've got a gel-like substance in them, so they're really comfortable. So really chuffed with those. Also got sent a tool last week, which I was really excited about. Um, and I posted to Instagram, but then I got told to, to remove the post and that they shouldn't have sent it to me. It was sent to me by accident, apparently. So presumably now I've got a tool in my house that very few people or no one in the UK has, but I can't show it to anyone, which is really a annoying. Red, red tool. It was a red tool. And I, yeah. I've used it as well. And it's, well, I say, I can't say it's impressive yet because I haven't used it in anger, if you know what I mean. But I've mm. I've had a quick play with it and it's uh, it's really nice. But it's um, annoying not being able to share it with the world. Uh, I was looking at some Bosch workwear because they do a heated jacket. You've got a heated jacket, haven't you? Yeah, yes. I really like that as well, actually. I've got a heated hoodie and a heated jacket, um, and they just take the edge off. They're just warm enough to... I'm thinking I might invest next year because I've got the little 12-volt batteries because in my tent it's going to be freezing. Yeah. Again, especially when you're filming, I don't mind going out and doing the work when I'm cold. It's fine. You can put your hat and your gloves on and get your head down and do it. But I hate filming. I hate filming when I'm uncomfortable. It's just I'm not interested in taking the time to set the camera up. I just want to do the job. Yeah. So I think I might get a heated jacket. So Bosch do one of those. Do yeah, you? Bosch do uh-huh. one of those. I tend not to like stuff that's all branded. Yeah, so I might buy a heated jacket. And then with energy prices, I'll probably just end up wearing it. Indoors. All day, yeah. <laughs> Get some heated socks, I'll be fine. Hello, Matt here. It takes us quite a lot of time to prepare and produce each episode of this podcast and we'd like to keep putting it out for free. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to help support and shape future episodes, you can find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes or just search online for Workshop Banter Patreon. Thank you and now back to the podcast. Um, I was going to ask you, do you have a tool belt? Because what I found when I was doing, especially the cladding, you want the screws, I want a hammer, 
I want to drill and I was wearing my trousers that have a hammer loop on the trousers and I've got braces on and then I hook the drill to a pocket and I've got a pocket full of screws and I've got a pencil and all the other bits and it's just so uncomfortable and I was thinking I see all the guys and they always talk about their diamond back tool belts like yeah I need one of those and then I look them up and they're like 250 quid or something oh, really wow and it's not like I'd wear it very often because for woodwork when you're in the workshop you don't need any of that but when you're say doing maybe you're bricklaying or, or when you're doing those kind of outdoor projects you just yeah it's quite nice to have everything on you isn't it it is yeah I, I've I often hang my drill and driver on my trousers when I'm working outside and and my trousers fall down because I don't have any braces like yourself. And yeah, I find it really frustrating as well. And I do have a job coming up, a roofing job um, at my bungalow, which I think I'm going to need something for. So yeah, that that is perfect for that, isn't it? You can't climb a ladder with your mm. hands full of tools. And it's just so much more efficient having everything at your fingertips, isn't it? I think so. And then you get to do those cool Instagram videos of you kind of twirling your hammer like it's a, a, a six-shooter and putting it in the holster. So um, are you at home at the moment? Because I can see a glorious-looking Art Deco display cabinet behind you. Yes, I am home. Uh, I, I keep changing the filming position because I keep moving things around in the house. Anyway, behind me is a glass display cabinet. Almost opposite my mum's house is a village hall. And oh, the once, auction you mentioned last And time. the auction, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So they didn't want this cabinet, It was, but it was one of those ones that the guy was going, £10, £10, no one wants it, £5, it's going to go in the skip, £4. So my stepfather put his hand up and bought it. But in their old house, there's no bit of flat wall for this cabinet to go on. Mm. So this is a bit unfortunate because well, the back and the shelves had... Uh, been like had spray glue and fabric put on which was all disgusting Mm. so my mum wanted that removed so I took the back off took the shelves out and removed all the fabric the shelves were only held on on like pin nails so you'd never be able to put anything weighty on it so I started doing it and then they're like we don't want it do you want it I was like ah this could have been a whole video (laughs) but I've done half of it already it's actually full of Bosch tools at the moment because they're just, I've got nowhere to put anything. And I was thinking, oh, I might redo the shelves. I might uh, paint it all like with black chalk paint because I hate that kind of 1940s brown. Yeah, I disagree, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> put, put the shelves in, put some LEDs in and then I might just fill it with all the Bosch tools. Yeah. Because it just looks so cool on video having this antique cabinet that full of cool. yeah. power tools. But I don't really want it either, because where it is now is in front of a radiator. Yeah. So it's fine there in the summer while the heating's off, but I've got no flat wall big enough to put it on either. Mm. So I'll probably end up giving it away. It's just they really wanted it gone. I was over there last time. It was my last day putting putting the guttering on, the very last job, and the auction. They have a preview the night before. I went over. I've only got one chair in my house. I've got a dining table and one chair, which is fine. Uh, but it's like, oh, you know what? I wouldn't mind getting some more chairs. And what I fancy is the old church chairs that have the little shelf on the back for the Bible. The the pew type benches? They're not a pew. It's, it's a normal chair, but it's just very yeah. simple, wooden. And behind it, there's just a little shelf and you put the Bible okay. on there. You have them a lot in pubs, which I always think is cool. And it's a lot of, a lot of pubs will put the menus in the back of the chair. Oh, yeah. Where the Bible went, it looks great. They had a whole new section at the auction this time, all stacked up outside, almost like a jumble sale. And you have the catalogue and it's not there. And then I looked online and it was their bargain basement section. It's all the stuff that hadn't sold at previous auctions. So they had this church chair. Uh, a couple of the joints had popped off. But it's only hide glue and just needs redoing. I was like, oh, if it goes for less than a tenner, I'll take it. And there was this flight case... Which, can you see the silver flight case? Yeah, sort of aluminium corners and everything. Yeah, it's got handles and wheels. Considering I have to take all my tools out to the tent, I could make this flight case like a tool case and wheel it out. Wow. I reckon that would cost a few hundred quid brand new. If it goes for a tenner, I think I got the flight case for a fiver and the chair for eight quid. No way, this auction sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) If you were a YouTuber, it could just be all your content. Yeah. They had these old G clamps, which must have been 16 inch G clamps. They were massive. I don't know what they went for. 
16 inch in throat no no throat no, no just in. that length of the whole thing yeah yeah i'm sorry that's how you measure clamps isn't it throat capacity i don't know <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> yeah. it is special g clamps um and i was going to bid on them and i thought what do i want them for i'm never going to use them they're just going to be something that hangs on the wall in the workshop of a workshop i do not have apparently a few weeks ago not the last one the one before had loads of old machinery and they never bothered telling me because there's an online catalogue and i could have i was like oh I just I just keep fantasizing that there was just the the band sort of my dreams there or something <laughs> that went for two pounds and I missed it all. But yeah, no, it's good. So that's that. There'd be two videos I think doing up this chair, which I might get some hide glue because I've never used hide glue. I haven't either, but I've heard the stuff that just comes pre-made in bottles is actually just as good as the real stuff that yeah. you dilute. Does that knock apart? Because I think one of the reasons they use hide glue in chairs is if a joint comes loose, you can. Yeah, you Redo can basically it. heat it up and it'll just mm. release. <clears throat> yeah, Tom, Thomas Johnson um, uses it a lot in his uh, restoration videos. I've never used it either. Um, just through, I don't know, just the other glues that I use work perfectly well for what yeah. I need and I've just never ventured into that. Yeah, well, sometimes you just need to do things in a video to make it interesting for yourself, as in yeah. gluing a chair back together and sanding it down is not that mm. interesting, but if you use a new type of adhesive then i can kind of that interests me yeah and the flight case i don't know i was contacted by the shadow foam people a few months ago yeah me too <laughs> so i was thinking i could shadow foam the whole of this case that'd be cool i wasn't thinking power tools because obviously all my bosch tools come in nice boxes which you can get a little uh sack burrow for so i was thinking more like japanese saws all the, the things i find i use pretty much every project is pencils tape measures uh combination square maybe a, a tri square those kind of marking and measuring things you just always need yeah uh, some saws and a chisel and if i have to come back in the house for other bits but it's just those kind of essentials but also you are quite delicate yeah so i don't know if to go for the shadow foam or for doing kind of wood and leather inside so is the display cabinet likely to be a video as well uh, yeah, it, it depends. I think it's a tricky one, isn't it? As in, all it needs is some shelves put in properly and the back put back on, really. Yeah. It's got the, I forgot what they're called, I think they're called claw and ball feet. Yeah. Is that right? So yeah. they're pretty cool. I don't really like the brown, but then if I painted it with chalk paint, half the people are going to go, <laughs> you've ruined it. And, and I just, you know, when you just think, I can't face it. I can't face dealing with all those comments. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. So it's kind of, to actually just fix it is too boring. To do anything interesting with it, I think what the trendy people would do is get some one of those kind of really floral or kind of uh, green jungly wallpapers. Yeah. Do the back panel that, paint it green, put some LED lights in. And I think it would look cool. It's just, yeah. I don't want it. I have any yeah. room for it. If you lived closer, I'd be taking that off your hands. Oh, well, you can come and get it. This is... <laughs> musical pass the parcel with this cabinet <laughs> so do bosch tools come in their own kind of sustainer type cases l boxes they're called L boxes they're all snapped together and they, they do a sack barrow but i think it's like 120 quid so i was thinking all it is is a normal sack barrow with two clips on the bottom for the boxes but you can buy the clips. So I was thinking I could just buy a sack barrow, put a wooden base on it, put two clips on it, and then I can just wheel out my stack of tools. Like I had the uh, Merca sander that comes in a sustainer. I never kept it in that. I don't know if you do. No. Because <laughs> no, you're in a workshop all day. There's no need to put tools yeah. back in boxes. But at the moment, with them all in the house, I do put them back in the boxes. And going over to my mum's to work, having the boxes... I think it's a game changer, these kind of box systems for tradies. To being yeah. able to have everything clips together, goes in the back of a van, goes on a, a mobile base with wheels and rolls it all around. It, yeah. I, think it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah, I'm the same because everything's kind of workshop-based for me 90% of the time. Everything just has its own place in the workshop. But when I do go out and about, I pack everything into the 
I think Milwaukee call them their HD boxes, which are just the standard plastic boxes that tools basically come in when you buy them. Yeah. But they did send me their packout system, which is incredible. It's got the wheelbase and everything. Everything locks together so nicely. It's really robust. You can get every sort of accessory you could ever imagine, like radios that clip on and chargers and coffee yeah. machines and whatever else. But it just sits in the house, and I'm using it to store tools that I'm not using in the workshop basically um but yeah if i was out working every day that would be such a good system to use i just don't really have much of a need for it i have to say of all the systems the milwaukee looks the pack out looks by far the best system mm. i mean it's very expensive but it's one of those if time's money things then if you've got to take it up to a, a, a 10th floor flat then yeah it's worth it isn't it Boxes are something that just doesn't really excite me much. I've never really no. looked into tool storage and accessories and things like that because it's just boring to me. It's a bit like buying socks, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I rather like socks, I'm afraid. So, uh, One thing I've been trying to put together for years is like a basic toolkit, almost like a household toolkit, because do you find that you just need a screwdriver in the house and you don't want to go out to the workshop? I tend to have three of everything. I have my workshop tools. I have mm. a set of tools that I can just grab while I'm in the house. And then I have a set of tools in a box in the car and the van as well. Because whenever right. I go to my mother-in-law's, it's always, would you mind just uh, sorting this out? And it's like, well, I've got a box of the essential tools in my car that I can just grab. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to maybe keep it in the house. And then when I go places, I can take it. Like I had no intention of doing this floor. That wasn't on my job list. Mm. So I was cutting a load of sheet goods and I would have taken the plunge saw yeah, if I'd known because that would have been the perfect job for it. Whatever you pack, you won't have the thing you need. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. It's like I, I've got this um, Milwaukee ratcheting screwdriver with all of the different screw heads that fit inside the handle. And that's such a great tool just to grab and go out and do the odd job. But then every now and again, you'll get a screw that, you know... I don't know. I mean, it, it covers most of the heads. I'm pretty sure Torx is in there. I can't remember, but last time I took it out to a job, it wasn't the right one. And it's like, oh man, how can... It's just like the the world is set up so that nothing is compatible with anything else. Yeah. And it's across all different things as well. Like HDMI cables, you've got a mini HDMI cable, a micro HDMI cable, a standard HDMI cable, and probably more on top of that. With the multi-head ones, it's quite a fat head and you always need to get it into a small yeah. hole and it won't fit, so you need the long one. And I overdrove a couple of screws into the wood and they sunk down and then that the bit I was using isn't long enough to go in the hole and take them <laughs> out again. Yeah. But I was actually looking at getting some Spax screws, stainless steel ones, and they're Torx head and I thought they were just standard. But no, they're not only Torx, they're slightly deeper I think than a normal one and use like some propriety Spax bit. And it's like, oh this is God. ridiculous. I think it's, I packed a socket set, but then I needed deep sockets, which I didn't have. Yeah. Like, oh, just, you try and pack the minimum, but yeah. there's always more. And this is how we justify having so many tools. But it's also why I, you know, empathize so much with, tradesmen after we've just ranted about them for, <laughs> for hours on end but how do they pack their vans with the right tools when there are so many iterations of different things that they need i mean every time i go out and do a job somewhere else i literally spend the night before writing a list of every possible eventuality that could occur for all of the tools that i might need for that job and obviously the dream would just be to have a fully kitted out van with all of those tools ready to go similar to what uh, gid joiner has he kind of has or everything racked out and he's basically got all of his tools in the workshop and then a separate set of tools for his van i think the amount of time people get onto a job and don't have it and then go to the diy store and buy it because it's it's not worth driving yeah. back home to get it especially with fuel prices now and the, the time it takes it's just if you need a need a 10 pound thing you're just going to buy it from the local store rather than take yeah. off a day to go and fetch it so have you got any new tools you can talk about since we last spoke no. I think I told you about all my exciting new stuff last time. Have you got to use any more of that stuff? The table saw was essential for making the windows and doors. Mm. I, I think I made one cut with the plunge saw, which was a, a joy for the doing the door. And I took the miter saw with me 
I'm just so impressed with the batteries. What I'd done, I'd cut all the buttons for the cladding one day with the miter saw. And then the next day I'd spent the whole day, I clad two walls. So it's a lot of cuts on the miter saw. I, was, I kept expecting the battery to die. And at the end of the day, I took the battery off thinking, right, that must need charging. It has five indicators on it. It was still on four. Yeah, I've had similar experiences with the Milwaukee um, miter saw. It lasts literally months before yeah. I have to change it. Whereas the table saw seems to eat through the batteries much quicker. And I don't really know why that is. Yeah, the vacuum eats through the batteries. Yeah, yeah, same uh, with the Milwaukee vacuum, actually. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but the mitre saw, uh, the mitre saw has impressed me the most. As in, yeah. I would not know that it wasn't mains powered. It's mm. so powerful. There's there's no compromise whatsoever. I'm not an impact driver fan, but I kind of missed having an impact driver for this project. Yeah, you know where you kind of cam out and your screw skips and things. Yeah, I don't find I get that in the workshop because you're at a decent angle and you're putting pressure and your, your control but when you're holding the drill down or above your head at some weird angle i just think yeah an impact driver would have been better i might buy one for the next time i need to really do something like that uh it's kind of doing this garden room has really motivated me for the workshop it's got me very keen awesome uh, so i think in fact i started clearing some of the the uh, rubbish from the down the side of the shed yesterday i'm gonna start getting the ground level maybe even next week for it yeah. I'm not going to build it until next year. It's just I'm going to spend this summer kind of doing the prep work. I bet as soon as that ground is cleared, you'll be like, oh, I could just make a base for the. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got the base because the base is in oh, my course. tent. Yeah. I actually ordered two sheets of OSB 18mm last night and it was £35 per sheet, so £70. But Wix were doing their 15% off yep. for tradesmen rather than 10% off. So I've been trying to order everything yesterday. Yeah, I don't want I've this got... to turn into an advert for Wix, but I have to say, recently, their prices have been considerably better than certainly any of my local builders' merchants and better than B&Q as well. I think we mentioned that last time when I was talking about the garden room because I was using Wix and someone commented that they had found the same as well. Mm. Uh, but I did the same. So for the base for my my workshop, I've got a concrete slab which is on like two different levels, is steps down for something you can park on and then steps up a bit. So I could smash it all out. That'd kind of be the best thing to do, but it'd be a massive, noisy job. I mean, you couldn't get a skip around the back of the house because mm. you couldn't get lorries. You'd have to get a permit to put it on the road. And a skip these days is pushing 300 quid. Yeah. So it's a huge amount of money. So I was thinking of leveling the concrete but then that's a mixing a lot of concrete i don't have a mixer not very environmentally friendly so what i think i'm going to do is use some gravel build a, a frame around it and level it off so gravel on top of the concrete yeah yeah and then put some drainage in because it yeah. all slopes down using the uh, plastic grid thing again no because no. it's so unlevel okay the concrete it, it yeah. all slopes in different directions so at some points the gravel will have to be five centimeters deep at other points it will be too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I ordered loads of bags of gravel because I can't get a bulk bag because I've got cables out the front of the house. They can't get a crane and there's oh, nowhere yeah. to put it. What they could do is stick a bulk bag in my front garden and I have to come round. Is it just bags is easier. Yeah, it's not that expensive. It is, yeah. Yeah. So I, I placed a hundred pound order just to get my fifteen percent off because yeah. I don't need it yet, but oh I'm 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 so mean that I'm like I'm having that extra fiver off. Yeah. But it's just so nice, isn't it, now that the weather's it makes me so much more motivated to do things. Yeah. I was out in the garden still doing stuff at six o'clock last night, as in the winter, at four o'clock I'm in with the curtains pulled and the door locked. Yeah, I found the same. It's much easier to work longer hours, isn't it? I did 14 hours yesterday, because uh, in the morning, I started at just after 7am doing the block laying, because I was conscious that obviously the hotter it gets, the quicker the mortar goes off, and I wanted to get get it done while it was cool, so... I started that, worked till about 11, and then I came in and I edited all afternoon. And then in the night, I was messing around with admin and bank accounts and financial stuff and all of that stuff till about, I don't know, nine o'clock or thereabouts. It's just mm. a crazy long day. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's nice being able to get more done, but at the same time, sometimes you think, yeah, I've got to stop. Yeah. 
I've got so much catching up to do because of being away for so much time. Um, got to edit all these videos. And then it's bank holiday uh, in a couple of weeks, isn't it? With a four-day bank holiday. So I won't get much done then. In fact, I've got a wedding to go to. So yeah, kind of rushing to get it all on top of everything before then. It's nice to get ahead of yourself a bit, isn't it? I've got to say, though, you're, I've only seen the first part of your garden room so far. But yeah, that first part, I, I loved the way you'd filmed that and produced it. It was just, um, it was just uh, you know, it was more dynamic and kind of, I don't know, it was, it was almost like it had been storyboarded, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I had thought through it more and I find it easier. Do you watch Scott Brown Carpentry? I don't. It's a channel that everyone tells me to watch, but... And I've watched a handful of his videos, but for some reason, I've, it's never really hooked me in. Mm, I think I've mentioned on here before. Yeah, I love his style of video making. I think he's a, he's an excellent carpenter, but he's an excellent video maker as well. Because mm. I'm thinking I've probably just not seen the right videos whenever I've watched them before. Have you got like a video in your head that you would recommend to me? The trouble is... Is it more kind of vloggy sort of stuff? Yeah, it, but yeah. he's showing what he's doing, but... It's every kind of video moves on from the last, as in he's now a successful YouTuber, so he's moved house. And instead of doing work, the channel's now becoming more him doing up his own house. Right. And his, I don't know if she's his wife, but his partner, she's now also his business partner and she's in it. And just his integrations, I, I don't want to advertise Squarespace, but he does a lot with Squarespace. Mm. And, and here go oh, now I've put these shelves up, everything's so much more efficient. And she'll just walk in and go, talking of efficiency, that's why we use... And it's just so funny. Yeah. They're just little bits. And they, they have a little... Back when he was a builder, they used to have a little bit... Uh, I've forgotten what they called it, but he was going for lunch. Uh, it must be a, a, a New Zealand phrase for going at lunch or something. And they just show what they're having for lunch that day. And it's just silly little things... Mm. but I think it's the framing of the shots how he will go I need some wood for this and then the next shot is him at a pile of wood and he'll just say and I'm going to use this and just keeps cutting and talking to the camera I, I don't have a TV so, but I, was, I must have been at uh, my mum's house I think it was, it was the one show or something is the evening thing on BBC right and they're just having their banter on the sofa and it is so fake it's ridiculous yeah it's it, like very anything much, tv related <laughs> yeah it's 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 like alan partridge yeah uh, I don't, there's a time and place for that but there's nothing on tv anymore that's people make mistakes uh, this is uh, gonna be a youtube recommendation oh should i should actually find his name the secret life of machines it was like a 1980s bbc show right and he delivers lines and he messes it up or says i'm an r and no one tells him, oh, we're going to retake that. Mm. That's just in the show. And there is nothing like that anymore. Yeah. It's all so polished that it's fake. Yeah. Don't mind the ums and ahs. No, I agree. Yeah. I'm slowly getting better at not using the teleprompter. Every now and again, I'll, um, I'll task myself just to do a piece to camera. I did one yesterday, actually, quite a lengthy bit. I thought about what I wanted to say and I just kind of put it in my own words naturally and it does come across better but I'm just not good at talking when there's a microphone or a camera. Well you're doing all right on a podcast aren't you? Can you remember the earlier podcasts (laughs) (laughs) where I just kept freezing up for several minutes? I do yeah how many retakes you did. Whereas now it's a just a natural conversation it's so much more easy but yeah, I really, really struggled, just as I struggled when I started making videos. I hadn't noticed until you'd pointed it out, but now mm. it's amazing how um, just doing it improves. So yeah. I, I'm going to jump into my recommendation just because cool. I kind of did it by accident. So it's The Secret Life of Machines, and it's Tim Hunchkin, H-U-N-K-I-N. And so this is all from the 80s, and he's remastered it, but now... He's significantly older and he has, I think, the secret life of components. So here talk about switches and he'll have a 20 minute video explaining every type of switch. And he has these arcades, one in Southwold, one in London, and they're amazing. Uh, I can't can't describe them. In Southwold, I've been there. Yeah? Under the the pier. 
the machines. Yeah. The uh, yeah, I, I've pl- I've played on several of those machines. Wow, I, I'll look forward to watching that. I'll watch that tonight. He's very good. Even if you think you're not interested in the secret life of a washing machine, but <laughs> you are. And the clocks he's made. I think I've seen a few of those around London, like these water-powered clocks and things like that. He's just just a crazy inventor. Do you have any other recommendations for this one? So that wasn't going to be my recommendation. That just popped into my head because I was going to recommend Andy Rules. Uh, I don't know if you watch him. He's a woodworker in Texas. I think uh, Keith and I were talking before we actually uh, remembered to hit record. And I was saying how the the trouble with uh, YouTube is there's not many people who are professionals because if you're a professional... Uh, woodworker cabinet maker type thing you don't have time to actually film anything Uh, so andy is a professional furniture maker makes beautiful stuff and makes very nice videos and he's done a whole series of doing up an old airstream as well um but yeah he makes very nice furniture i think he trained with paul sellers or at least did some work so he's very good with the hand tools but also uh he's got a vintage oliver bandsaw which is massive so i love that it's nice seeing people uh, making very high-end furniture, seeing how much work goes into it. And yeah, it's, it's nice. He seems a really nice guy as well. That looks great. I'll check that out. Again, I'm thinking to myself, this is a massive YouTube channel with over 500,000 subscribers. Why has YouTube not recommended this to me yet? Mm. Well, I recommended it to people a few years ago and he used to describe his videos as the quiet works. He'd carve a spoon, even though that's not what he does. And all it would be would be the sound of the tools. And it is kind of hypnotic hearing the, the kind of scraping and cutting of wood with hand tools. That looks cool. I'm looking forward to watching that. Seeing as you've done two, I think I should do two as well. Oh, I suppose that's only fair. First one is by Thomas at Casual DIY. He did a video comparing Saxton versus Freud blades. Um, and I'd heard a lot of good things about Saxton. They kind of make cheaper blades Mm. but i've heard things about them being as good as the premium blades um so yeah i found that that video quite interesting it's a good comparison between the two blades and he he'd given them both a couple of years worth of use so he compared each one in various ways and it's just a great video yeah i've used both blades actually that would definitely go on my wish uh, watch list because there's quite a big price difference on these things there is, but the thing that occurred to me in the first instance is just the sound, <laughs> which I, I know I'm always talking about the sound that tools make, but Freud blades are kind of whisper quiet, whereas the Saxton one had a bit of a screech to it. Mm. And you can just tell when you hear a Freud blade that it's just quality. Yeah. And I think sometimes if you spend the money on quality, you reap the rewards, whereas other times you spend the money on quality and you just get a product that is just as good as the cheaper one. So we've obviously talked about hard wax oils before and various brands and adhesives as well. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Bosch own Freud as well. Do they? Mm. And because they've got their own range of blades. In fact, all the big manufacturers have their own range of blades and stuff, don't they? I I don't know. I've never done any research into it. I wonder where the Milwaukee blades come from. Yeah. Because they're really nice. I'm not, I'm not sure who makes them, though. Mm. They, they, all the Bosch tools I've got have their stock blade in, and then they've sent me their premium blades, which are still in boxes, because actually the blades that are in them is pretty good. So yeah. uh, I'm not going to rush to... Especially as I've only been doing construction, it's good to use the basic blade for that and not ruin your premium blades on uh, cutting yeah. treated 4x2s. Mm. Yeah, the second project that I wanted to call out was um, one I've been following from Charlie... I think you say it, Charlie Dite, because it's a pun on his name, Charlie White. Um, But it's Dite spelled D-I-Y-T-E. Charlie's a friend of ours. Obviously, we speak to him quite regularly via WhatsApp. But um, I've just really enjoyed following along with him taking on quite an ambitious project, which is repairing his roof. Um, and as usual, Charlie just goes into really good detail about all of the problems he's in- encountered along the way. All of the stuff that you really want to know is what Charlie includes within his videos, and I think that's what I particularly like about his channel. Um, and when you speak to Charlie, he's he downplays it and he says stuff like, oh yeah, I'm going into too much detail on this again, but what I want to say to Charlie, in case he's listening, I'm not sure whether he listens to this or not, but you're not going into too much detail. <laughs> it's exactly the sort of detail that 
people want to hear, I think, anyway. Certainly it's the detail that I want to hear. And it's just been nice to see him do kind of like a looser kind of vloggy style of videos as well as he's going along with this project. Yeah, it's just been great. Thank you for listening. You can find Keith on YouTube by searching for Rag N Bone Brown and me by searching for Badger Workshop. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to help support us in making future episodes of the podcast. Link to that in the show notes. And we have a Workshop Banter Instagram and Facebook page if you'd like to get in touch, which is at Workshop Banter, all one word.